Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Uh, it's really good to be at church. This week was hectic. I just remember at one point thinking, man, I just want to get to church on Sunday because that's where I'm going to refuel, recharge, and um, man, just be with God's family. It's really good to be a part of this family and be a part of the Red Door family and to know that church is a space where we can be rested and recharged for the next week. I find that this part of the year, like I was chatting to some friends yesterday, they're like, are you available on this date? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sure, but I feel like what you need to assume is when you have a free weekend, it's not free. It's just free for now. Um, So it's just, it really is hectic, but um, it's really good to be here. Thank you, Rain, for the opportunity to to speak. And um, yeah, it's really good to to be able to share share God's word with you all. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jason, Jason Devonish. I'm from a very small place in Joburg known as Santon. Uh, You may have heard of it. I'm very proud of that place, you know, I'm just saying, like, it's really, it's, it's really a vibe. Um, but yeah, I'm from a place um, in Joburg known as Santon. Uh, I support a football team in Manchester United. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that right now. Everyone's like, are you ready for today? I'm like, I was ready for Wednesday too, and after the first half, I was ready to kill someone. So, yeah, but I do support Manchester United, I will say that. Um, depending on how today goes, I might be sick next week Sunday, but we'll see. I feel like, wait, where's Kia? Kia's the person. I'm just like, man, I don't. When we lost to Leicester on Saturday last week, I saw him walk up to me. I was like, man, just leave me alone. I love you, bro. But uh, if you win today, just know that I'm sort of happy for you, but you don't have to rub it in my face. <laughs> Um, I went to a primary school known as Wendywood, <coughs> Wendywood Primary, and uh, one of the things that I hated most about specifically primary school was when they would choose two team leaders, especially in PE. Do you guys remember like when you do PE, they choose two team leaders, and they put your whole class there, and they're like, all right, so what each team leader is going to do is you choose one person to be on your team, right? Why do you think I hated that? <laughs> I was always last. <laughs> um, I remember in PE, whenever we played soccer, it, it, it never happened for us white kids. You know, there would be a line of just like, we're like, yeah, we, we can't. My legs don't do all these fancy things. They only got the memo at the age of 15. Um, but I used, to, I used to dread it when I knew that that was coming because I knew I was going to be chosen last. And maybe you can think of a time back when you were at school or at varsity or even at work when you were chosen for something. Maybe it was the, the football team, the rugby team, or the cricket team, or maybe it was the, I don't know, do they call it the drama club? The drama team? The drama people? Society? Yeah, the debate club? I don't know if I'm using American terms, but, um, but maybe you were chosen for something uh, maybe you were chosen for a certain role at your school or your varsity or your workplace. Um, or maybe it was a special position within your school, varsity, workplace. I'm sure we can all think of something where we were chosen and we weren't necessarily chosen last, right? But think back to that time and think about how special it was to be chosen. How good was it to be chosen? 
You see, I look back to those times and I, and I have to ask myself, why was it such a big deal? Why did it matter to be chosen and specifically to be chosen first? Because we were all chosen, right? We're just, some of us were just chosen last. <laughs> Except for the last person. You're never chosen. You're just given. <laughs> you see, being chosen is special to us because it said something about us. Being chosen said that I was good enough. Being chosen said I was special enough or I was skilled enough or I was talented enough to be chosen, to be put onto this team. We felt valued when we were chosen, especially when we were chosen above other people, right? We felt valued. We're like, yeah, I got chosen. We felt valued. And we love being chosen because it makes us feel like we're worth something. Before we jump in, let me pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for all the stories that your word is filled with, that we can learn from, that we can be encouraged by. And uh, Father, we thank you for church. We thank you for this time where we can come together um, as a community around your word and, and hear what you have to say. And Father, we just pray that this morning these words would not be my words, but yours. And Father, that we would all be encouraged this morning and that you would use these words this morning to shape us and mold us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. One of the things I love is that we get to have coffee before church because it just gives that extra, you know, that extra something. As Rain mentioned, we are currently in uh, the series Acts Part 2. We did Acts Part 1 a couple months ago. And I must say, Acts is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I don't know if we're allowed to do that, but I, I have a favorite book, and it's definitely Acts. And it's been fun journeying with the church. We've seen some amazing things happening. We saw Jesus ascend in the beginning. Uh, we saw the Holy Spirit come upon the apostles or the disciples like tongues of fire, and they started speaking what would have sounded like weird things in a way, but people understood, and the gospel was spread, and the Lord added to their number daily. And we watched this movement, not yet known as the church, but known as the way, sort of growing and growing into this movement and moving, because that's what movements do, right? Um, and it was moving, and it's been great to journey with them. And then we kind of hit a bit of a pothole, if you like. I feel like I can use that in a South African context, because we all know what that feels like. Um, we hit a bit of a pothole, where uh, one, of the, one of the followers, Stephen, is persecuted. And it kind of feels like, whoa, like we had such good momentum, and then there was a bit of like a, a pothole in the road. And then we see the church disperse, and it keeps growing, and we see this movement keep moving, and we come to this portion today where we see something quite incredible happen in the book of Acts. And we're looking at Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 31, where we see Jesus, the risen Jesus, approaching one of the most powerful, one of the most deadly Jewish leaders around. And he, in a sense, confronts him, but he doesn't just confront him, slap him on the wrist and leave. He flips this man's world upside down. And it's a remarkable story of how God is, is working for his church in such difficult times and in such a crucial piece to the story, we see the church movement growing and spreading and we see how God is working for the good of his people and for the good of his church and for the good of this movement. And it's quite interesting preparing for this because the last time I preached on this portion, I just preached on Saul's conversion, you know, just on the, the road to Damascus. And then Rain gave me this passage and it was much bigger and it was, uh, it was good to be able to take a step back and to actually look at the bigger picture and to look at what's happening in the story 
And the first time I read it as one big thing, just an encouragement on that note, sometimes it's really good to just read the Bible like you would a book, like just read two, three chapters, four chapters, you see things differently. But to take a step back and actually realize how this man named Saul's world was rocked. It was rocked, it was flipped upside down, and um, in a way I felt sorry for him. He went from being this top dog to being like, almost like a whimpering puppy for a little bit in a weird way, and we're gonna look at that. But so good to see how God is working, and from the passage that we read today, there's three things that we can learn from the story. And the first thing that we can learn is that being chosen is not about us. Being chosen is not about us. But what do I mean by this? You see, think back to when you were in school, varsity work, whatever you thought about earlier. Think about why you were chosen. Chances are you were chosen on your own merit, right? You know, in PE, if we're playing football, you were chosen because you were good at soccer. <clears throat> Timber. If you were chosen for the debate club, it was because you were good at debating. If you were chosen to lead, particularly a, maybe a certain portfolio at work, it's because you were good at that. You were chosen based on merit, based on your skills, based on how good you were. But when it comes to Jesus, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. Have a look at verse 1 to 5. And just a disclaimer, I'm reading from the NIV, um, the New International Version, or as some people might call it, the non-inspired version. Um, but we will have the ESV um, up on the screen uh, behind me, in front of you. Chapter 9, verse 1 to 5, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Think about this man, Saul. In verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He was in no way looking for this man named Jesus or this person Jesus. He was not looking to follow him, pursue him. He wanted nothing to do with him. In fact, he wanted to persecute the very people who were following this man named Jesus, who were preaching about the man named Jesus. He was out to get them. He's in no way looking for Jesus, and he is definitely not good enough, as we would put it. And yet, he is chosen because he is who Jesus wanted. A lot of us believe that Jesus chooses us based on who we are. A lot of us believe that Jesus chooses us based on what we look like, or what we've done, or what we are doing. See, Jesus doesn't work like dates. You don't have to get a haircut and shave and make yourself smell good and look good before you can come to him. And we believe that approaching Jesus is based on our performance, how much I'm doing in church, how much I'm reading my Bible, how much I'm praying. 
It's based on what I can do and what I can bring to the table in order for Jesus, Jesus to choose me. It's based on me. And yet we see in this that it's got nothing to do with our performance. And I struggle with this, church. I struggle with this. I'm always trying to impress Jesus like, hey, see what I did. And I had an interesting conversation with Rain earlier on this year where he said something quite fascinating. He said, not only does Jesus love you, but he actually likes you. And that blew my mind because I think some of us treat the love of Jesus like we treat our mother's love, right? You know that saying, a face only a mother could love? Sometimes I'm like, yeah. It's true because we think our mothers love us because she's our mom. She has to love us, right? She has to. And we think the same of Jesus. We're like, well, he's Jesus. He's all about love, right? So he has to love us. But in fact, yes, he loves us, but he actually likes us. He actually likes you. And that was quite cool. I was like, yeah, Jesus likes me. That's, it's, really, it's really awesome. But you see, Jesus loves and likes me not based on my performance or what I do. See, being chosen church is not about us. In the world, maybe, it's based on our performance, but when it comes to this, it's got nothing to do with us and who we are and what we bring to the table. The second thing that we can pull out from this passage is that being chosen is not easy. Being chosen for this task is not easy. In this passage, we see a lot of difficult situations in the characters involved in the story, not just in Saul, but even in some of the disciples. We see how they're put in positions where they're definitely not comfortable. Have a look at verse 10 to 15 with me. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, or Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. He said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I'm like Ananias. I'm like, I don't think that guy's for me. (laughs) He scares me. He intimidates me. And yet we see God calling him. But you know what's really awesome? Is how often don't we also do that with people, right? We're like, I'm not sure that that person needs to hear the gospel from someone like me, right? And yet God is working. God didn't just say to Ananias, go, I think he'll be okay. He should be able to. No, no, no. God prepared Saul for Ananias to come. And a lot of us, we believe that, man, it's about me and it's about how well I speak, how well I argue about the gospel and convince people, yet God is at work in the background. And it's just so encouraging to see God working in this man's heart and then approaching Ananias and saying, hey, this man is ready for you. You need to go to him. And Ananias Ananias says, ah, no. (laughs) And God says, go. Have a look at verse 26 to 28 with the disciples. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they had the same reaction as Ananias. They were like, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. 
He told them how Saul is on his journey, um, how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Once again, people are freaked out by him. And understandably, I mean, he, he really was wreaking havoc. And what about Saul? A lot of the story is actually about Saul. What about Saul? See, Saul was well known for his shenanigans in Jerusalem and what he was doing to the Christians there. And by some groups or in some groups and circles, he was highly respected and admired for what he had been doing. And yet when he starts to preach the gospel to these people, have a look at verse 23 to 25. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept watching, uh, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Verse 28 to 29, it says, So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. So this man who was once respected and admired within these circles is now the next person on the hit list. The next person that they want to kill. Being chosen for this is not easy. God is going to call us into spaces where we don't want to be, church. God is going to call us to go to people who we don't necessarily want to go to. God is going to call us to love and care for people who we usually don't love and care for. And we see that in Saul, we see it in the disciples, there is a lot of discomfort in this. There are a lot of times where people are like, man, I, I don't think that he's the person I need to go to. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. And we're going to be stubborn. Please just know you are going to be stubborn. There's so many times that God's like, hey, maybe we should, and I'm just like, nah. Nah, it's not the kind of place I want to be. And sometimes I think that some of us think that becoming a Christian is a bit of a life hack. When I become a Christian and I follow Jesus, man, things will just work out. My marks will come right at varsity or at school. I believe that. I was like, God's going to get me through. <laughs> Work's going to go well. I'm not going to get sick. The people around me are not going to get sick. We believe that Christianity is some sort of a life hack. And so what happens when that, that truth gets swept out from under us, our faith falls apart and we're like, Jesus, why would you allow this to happen? But I wanna say, from what we see, not just in this story, but throughout, God's own son suffered. It's not gonna be easy. But I wanna say here today that being a follower of Jesus is so fulfilling, church. It's hard. Saul stood up in front of the very people who knew exactly who he was and what he had done, and what he was famous for, and they tried to kill him in this portion of scripture, twice. Being chosen is really hard, but here's the good news. And this is, this is I'm, I'm so excited to get to this part. Being chosen means not doing it alone. You know, as tough as 
a lot of this was for Saul and for the disciples. Notice how Saul always has people around him looking out for him. First, his followers lower him in a basket through a hole in the wall after he hears of the conspiracies in Damascus to kill him. And then he goes to Jerusalem and he starts preaching the gospel there. And the believers in Jerusalem heard about the plans and the plots for the people to kill Saul. And they take him down to Caesarea. At no point in his journey is Saul alone. And I want to say that when we do church right, when we do church in community with one another, we don't walk this road alone. As Rain was sharing earlier, we look, at, we look at how Red Door Church is broken down. Man, it is not about Sunday alone because we have missional communities and we have DNA groups and we don't have to walk this road alone. It is so encouraging to be sitting with fellow believers where people are sharing the same stories of, hey, do you know that I did this or I said this and I was rejected for it? All of a sudden, you're like, hey, I'm not alone. Better yet, there's the success stories of, hey, I said this and did this and my friend is really starting to, to press this thing of who is Jesus. But we don't do this alone. We do it in community with one another. But best of all, have a look at verse four. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Notice how personally Jesus takes the persecution on the church. He doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting the Christians? Or why are you persecuting the people from the way? Why are you persecuting those people? He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is personal, and he feels it. Being chosen means that we don't do this alone. Because Jesus walks this road with us. And we walk this road as a community together. We serve such a good God that he feels what we go through. That he cares for his church and he loves his church and he steps in and he's with us. And I don't know where you are today. I mean, I know you're at Red Door Church in Pretoria. But I don't know where your heart is today. Each of us sitting in this room today, we're all in a different place with God in our hearts. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're a Christian. You believe in Jesus, you believe in what he did, and you believe that you are forgiven because of what he did but maybe this road has gotten a little bit long. Maybe this road has gotten a little tiresome. I want you to hear and know today, not based on what I'm saying, Jason, but based on what we see in God's word, you are not alone. And you don't have to do this alone. Jesus is on this road walking every step of the way with you. And he's feeling what you feel with you. Maybe you're feeling a bit discouraged after what the church looks like after COVID. Some of us asking God, what is going on? Are you even in control? What are you doing? Have you lost control? 
Are you present? Yeah, he's present. And if there's one thing we can see from this is that God is always involved, intimately, even when we think he isn't. Can you imagine what must have gone through the heads and the hearts of those fellow believers after they watched Stephen being stoned? God, one of your own people, slaughtered for preaching the gospel, is this what we're here for? And they scatter. And then they hear that this guy Saul, who's been wreaking havoc, in Jerusalem is now out to get everyone else. He's coming for the masses. God, what are you doing? God, are you even in control? Are you still there? Are you still with us? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're feeling a bit inadequate. Maybe you're feeling like you're not good enough. And can I just say that you can be both a Christian feeling this way and a non-Christian? Maybe you're sitting here today as a Christian, you're like, man, I'm just not sure if I'm good enough to be doing what God wants me to do. Maybe I'm not right. Or maybe you're not a Christian yet and you're still sitting in that space of, man, I I really want this, but I need to just fix myself up before I come to Jesus. There's some things I need to deal with first before I come to him. I wanna share Romans chapter three, verse 20 to 25 with you. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. In other words, there is nothing that you can do good or bad that will make you good enough. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe Not all who have a cool haircut. Not all who support Manchester United. Not all who smell good enough or look good enough or who have their lives put together. All who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned. Church, hear this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement atonement, through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. No matter where you are with Jesus at the moment, the great thing about him is that there is nothing that you can do to be chosen to be on this team. There is nothing that you can do, no skill that you can have, that you can work your way into this team. It's not like your PE, football, cricket teams, where if you were good enough, you made it. There is nothing you can do to earn your place in this team, but with that, there is nothing that you can do that can disqualify you either. Some of us sit and we think, man, if only Jesus knew the things that I had done, But he does know, and he's still calling your name. Being a part of this movement known as the church is one of the most amazing privileges that we have. And better yet, to know that we have a loving God behind it, a God who is taking care of his church, even in a pandemic. I mean, for goodness sake, guys, we planted a church in this pandemic, and God is working and growing it. 
it is special to be a part of this team. And I want to challenge us today as we leave this place, and I know that the service isn't finishing here. We have the service part two coming up, as Temba likes to put it. I want us to keep in the front of our minds this question. What does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean to be chosen? But as we do that, I want us to remember the three things that we heard today. Being chosen is not about us. Being chosen is not easy. And being chosen means not doing it alone. And I want to wrap up with verse 31. Listen to the mood change. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Sure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that we can do to earn our place in this team, but rather that you call us, that you approach us, that you forgive us, that you offer us this grace and this forgiveness. Father, we thank you for your word that we can hear from it. And Lord, I pray that we would cherish that gift. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone who's sitting here today who has their doubts about whether they're good enough for you or not. Father, I pray that you would press on them that they can come as they are. And even for us who believe, Lord, would you press on us that there's nothing we can do to earn more favor in your eyes. That not only do you love us, you actually like us. Father, we thank you for this man named Saul who you used in great ways, Father. We thank you for his testimony, his story, and ultimately we thank you for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.